0: Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape, or form. I am your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them, or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button, and enjoy the listen. Hello everybody and welcome back to Coffee and Geography and uh, I've got someone joining me who I'm meeting for the very first time, which is great. I love this, the kind of spontaneity of this podcast and uh, hello Colleen, how are you?
1: Good, how are you doing? Nice to meet you, Kit.
0: Yeah, so Colleen, you are you are doing a PhD uh, in marine science, which sounds absolutely incredible. Um, uh, yeah. And you're located? Uh,
1: in, in Saudi Arabia, in which Saudi Arabia,
0: is yeah.
1: unusual. I think for for most people,
0: yeah, and we're definitely going to be talking about that quite a fair bit. So you're studying marine science uh, in the Red Sea, and it says here mm-hmm. that you've always loved maps, people, places, cultures, languages, long before you became a geographer, and you love to see interesting maps and love some spicy spatial analysis. And I just love putting the word "spicy" in front of spatial analysis. <laughs> I see. What, I see. We did Thanks. there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you just said it may be a bit strange for having someone, you know. Coming on from Saudi Arabia, but yeah. So, is it the the academics has just taken you there, you've ended up there? Have you always wanted to go somewhere like like the Middle East or in Western? So,
1: Malaysia? I I always wanted to go somewhere in the Middle East or anywhere really. Like I'm I'm interested in lots of places in the world, and Saudi Arabia is unusual. It wasn't something that like a lot of people got to go to. Um, I first came here eight years ago, and the culture here was a little bit more restrictive. Now tourism and um, a lot of things are more open. Um, Saudi Arabia is getting a little bit more liberal than it has been in the past. Hmm. Um, So uh, that's kind of interesting to see. Um, Yeah. The, the Red Sea is right, right outside my door. So I'm pretty excited to, to be able to work so closely with the water um and to do mapping
0: i, I so i was going to ask this question really uh, to be a bit silly but i, I kind of know the answer because of like where your location but i i doubt i doubt that it, you would like to just walk out in your pajamas get some data collection and come back in again but i'm, I'm pretty sure it's not quite as simple as that
1: <laughs> well uh, i don't know that uh walking in your pajamas into the water is a good idea anywhere
0: <laughs> yeah no true um,
1: but actually um I think there's a misconception about Saudi Arabia and its clothing requirements. Okay, um, that is a um, a little bit of a misconception. Um, I wear jeans and t-shirts quite often, um, and the community I live in is is pretty open with whatever you're wearing. Um, and then just out and about, I I don't have to cover up or anything like you might see in the movies or TV. Mm. Uh, it's it's quite a bit more oh, i was a quote unquote normal um than than how you know media makes things out to be no oh. which i think is kind of how everywhere is honestly we try to like make things seem more exotic when we see them on tv for entertainment value but
0: yeah you no, know, i think you're totally right there and uh last season i spoke to uh, a geography teacher who used to live in the UK, who comes from the uk but now lives and works in Qatar and in the international school in Qatar. And she said the same thing. It's like, um, it's really interesting how, when you do travel places, yes, of course, if you want to go to the touristy areas, they're going to seem exotic and different. But really when you go to, you know, a, another place in most places around the world, just like, Oh, pretty much seen this before, you know, kind of thing. So um, that's really, really interesting. And of course, one of the things that uh, I like to teach about is, you know how the world is you know stereotyping the world is not helpful you know i'm very decolonial so we talk a lot about you know the the richness of contents such as africa and how you can't stereotype you know there's no real such thing as like oh they've all got six children and are all poor and that kind of stuff so it's a very very important point that you very make there you mentioned about being there for eight years so i can tell by your accent that you're not from the middle east no anymore, i'm so. american Yeah, so whereabouts in the states are you from
1: I am um, from South Carolina, which is on okay. the East Coast, a little bit above mm-hmm. Florida.
0: Yes. So you've got Florida, folks. So you probably might know where Florida is because every... So let's stereotype. We just talked about stereotype. Brits, if we stereotype you, you probably may know where Florida is. Um, so then you've got Georgia and then you've got the Carolinas just to the north of of that. And uh, folks folks who listen know, know this, but you're learning for the first time, Colleen. Is that my wife is from the twin cities from minnesota and my family oh, is half american
1: my, i did my uh master's in minnesota so all oh, right i mean not my master's my undergrad in minnesota sorry my husband did his master's in minnesota
0: awesome yeah so that's where uh we're half west well the kids there they're, they're uh, half minnesotan so but they don't say things like "yar" and stuff like that you know against the uh, stereotyping. my kid <laughs> <is> Minnesotan. <laughs> actually my my late mother-in-law used to say that a few times um yeah so um so you've within those eight years then since you moved in you has so you're coming from what appears again stereotyping again appears to be kind of like you know a liberal place of the united states though some people say if you go to the south the united states not as liberal but you know we are generalizing here and then you're going over to uh saudi arabia and you've been there for eight years so so yeah describe to us kind of like from your point of view and by all means you know you could say from from your western american point of view how saudi arabia has changed in those eight years or would if you were to like imagine the eight years of you'd never happened and now you were to come to live to saudi would it be like a completely different place from eight years ago
1: for for sure um so saudi arabia right now is going through um what they have like called a vision 2030 um And they're trying to get away from oil. They're trying to get away from all of these things. And they're trying to become a little bit more like, um, a Dubai is kind of what, what's, um, happening here. Um, so they're, they're building these huge projects. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Neom, which is like a big city that they're just kind of building from scratch. Um, and it's in the Northern part of of Saudi Mm. Arabia. Um, it's in the Gulf of Aqaba actually. Um, and then, uh, right in there. And then, um, then they have another project that's a little bit below that, which is, um, the Red Sea global project. And that's, uh, going to be a tourist slash Marine reserve. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, and then where I live, um, is a big university city type place, um, and it's all about bringing people from all over the world to like basically be a think tank university, like MIT or something like that. And so, it's really interesting because Saudi is just is really really trying hard to to bring itself out of this stereotyped mindset into something more of the future. And I think they're succeeding at it. Um, they're, they're putting in lots of infrastructure. They're having people like musicians and parties and concerts and movie theaters and all of those things that weren't, weren't here eight years ago um, are, are now coming in, you know, imagine dragons was just here a couple of weeks ago. So like, oh. like, you know, people that you you've heard of are coming. So, Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah, and it's interesting to me, like thinking about the history of human civilization is' like by by that kind of standard of of measurement of how civilizations evolve, of course, that part of the world you know were very progressive back in the day, you know, mm. and this it seems as if as though for me and i I realize I'm probably being very colonial with the way I'm thinking here <laughs> um but it's as if as though that they're almost returning to their roots.
1: It is actually one of the reasons the university that I am at, which is called KAUST, um, got started was that the king who was the king at the time, he's since passed, um, was like, hey, we used to be an education dominated part. I mean, that's where algebra and all these, you know, things come from. You know, we used to be known for that. And we want to bring that back. And so he he built a couple of universities and was trying to bring that back into the world. He wanted uh, Saudi to be known for that again.
0: You know, the more that countries do this and the people of nations are allowed to kind of be this creative and, you know, show their, their talents and their wisdom is just benefit for everybody, really. Um like the the things when I when I went and visited places like South Africa and Malawi and I looked saw the ingenuity and the talent and the intelligence and the know how, you know, based on knowledge and stuff like that from their own cultures. It's like um, the story I used to tell when I used to go and do the teacher exchange in Malawi is that I, I taught one of the geography lessons there. And I kind of like liked to flip the script because the students would say, "Oh, you're from you're from England, you're from the UK, you know." And they had this kind of streets paved in gold kind of th- mindset. And I actually flipped the narrative, and I said, "No, I want I want to tell I want you to tell me what we should be learning from you, you know, what we have lost by becoming disconnected through community, through the environment, and things like that, um, and." yeah they the kids burst out laughing but it was a lovely moment laugh isn't like what you're here to teach us about you i'm like no no like i want to know about you and we did this amazing lesson about kind of like the problems that quote unquote developed nations have because of their capitalist driven cultures and societies because of their overconsumption. and it was just a lovely moment really and uh yeah so the more the more the better i believe for that kind of stuff for sure
1: And there's all these backgrounds and people that, you know, there's a reason representation matters. And it's not just because, oh, if I see someone that looks like me on television, that that helps me. It does. But also, we're coming from such different backgrounds. And my experience is different than your experience. And we, we bring something to the table for that.
0: That's it. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely preaching to the converted here. As somebody who really does embrace and loves diversity, because I just think, as a you know, as a geographer, it just makes the world so much more interesting to learn about and to teach about. So, one hundred percent get you. Um, before we get too far into talking about this amazing stuff, I just realise. I haven't asked you about your brew yet. So um, Coffee and Jog Feeder, the podcast as it's named, what do you um, tend to drink? I mean, do you go for something of some home comfort from back in the States or or is there something in particular to where you live now that you drink or do you just grab any other coffee or tea off the shelf?
1: So I'm kind of new to drinking coffee, not a huge (laughs) coffee drinker, Um, but I do enjoy coffee. Um, and I like, uh, a, just a regular, like latte is good for me, like an iced latte or, or hot latte either way. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's pretty plain, but like, that's kind of no, what I like.
0: That's fine. Yeah. That's <laughs> plain. I've been, I've been getting into s- spiced chai lattes recently mm, and I'm not a coffee right. drinker. Yeah. I mean, I've, at the moment I've just got some peppermint tea because I don't know, I feel like a bit, I feel like I need a bit of detox. I do <laughs> like just,
1: some peppermint tea. Yeah.
0: It's a Sunday, you know, time for detox. <laughs> oh, that's so, this is so cool. So uh, tell us a bit about like your actual studies then. Um, so you're, yeah, so you're doing your pit. So you're going to become doctor, which is yeah. going to be amazing. Yeah. So Dr. Colleen Campbell, how does that make you feel?
1: It's a little bit surreal, I think, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I'm just, just Colleen, right? Like, it just doesn't feel like that's yeah. a, a real thing some days. Um, so, my studies are, um, I'm looking at difference in scale um, and how measuring things at different scales gives us different information. That's kind of the, the general overall. Um, look, and then why you would want to look at scale um, when when you're measuring things. Like, does it make a difference? Um, and then what scale is appropriate for for the measurements that you're doing? So I, I feel like scale seems like one of those, like, basic geography things where you're just like, oh, yeah, day two of geography. I learned about scale. Great. Um, but That's I right. think <laughs> it's actually really, A, I don't, I think a lot of other disciplines don't learn about scale. Um, and B, it's actually really fundamental to a lot of the ways that we talk about things. Um, you'll, you'll hear the word scale quite often. Like if you're, you're watching something, you'll say, Oh, this is a large scale event or something like that. And the people use that word quite often, um, because it actually does matter. Um, and it, it actually is a, yeah. is a big thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, totally 100% agree with you and here in the United Kingdom with with our national curriculum and geography one of the things that you know we have certain principles of geography and like place is one of those principles scale is one of those principles Um, and also I think scale can interweave and and intertwine quite well as well depending on what you're doing so um, for example you may have a global map Let's call it a GIS map, since you love GIS. Let's call it a GIS interactive global map of plate, the tectonic plates, and you can turn off and on layers of volcanoes, of earthquakes, different boundaries, and you get a sense of the pattern of global, um, you know, processes. Great, but what does that actually mean for someone who lives on the slopes of a volcano? What does that actually mean for um, the regional or national scale in terms of strategy to mitigate against? tectonic hazards and stuff like that. So the scale you're right, the scale really does matter. And of course the problem that we have as as geographers and I I guess maybe a society when it comes to things like climate change is that when we have things of too large of a scale, like maybe gl- a global or international, and then we need to be taking personal action like such as climate change, it's very, very difficult to kind of relate to what's going on. And that's maybe one of the reasons why our actions as a global community towards climate change is so slow. But um, what do you, I, I don't know how you feel about that?
1: I, I think that changing scale and making it more relevant is um, absolutely important. Um, when, so one of the things we're looking at is um, they're, you know people are fishing and using the water and um, you know, they're wanting to use it for tourism and all of these things. and tourism affects the people who live in that city. I don't know if you, you're you near a tourist town, but, um, you know, tourists come in and, you know, it's really great for the economy, but sometimes really terrible for the environment, um, even if they're yep. doing ecotourism. Yes. Um, tourists tend to break things and they tend to leave trash and things like that. I mean, that's just people. And so... Um, you know you have this dual thing where you want people to come in. you want you want there to be ecotourism where people are looking at the environment and protecting the environment interested. but then you have this other aspect where you know you have people who are um, you know potentially harming it as they're there um and so you you have to talk to that local community that lives there permanently, like not just the tourists that are coming in, but that local community and convince them that like this is positive for you. And also, you know, like, how do you, how do you make that better? How does that going to affect you? Are you going to be happy with, you know, hundreds of people coming in, you know, and, and it, it's, especially someplace like here where tourism is brand new, people don't know what to do. Like, so it's a very, it's a very new thing. Um I sometimes get mistaken as a tourist uh, here, which is always fun. Um, <laughs> like I've been here for eight years. I'm absolutely not a tourist. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see people's uh, reactions. Generally it's very positive. They'll say, welcome to Saudi. And I'll be like, thanks. And uh, <laughs> they'll ask me, you know, what I'm doing because, because I love to take pictures. And so I'm always taking pictures of things. And I think that they think pictures equals tourist. Um
0: i'm a so, tourist in my own backyard then if that's the case <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> it all exactly. the time. uh
1: so so i think i get i get those those uh oh welcome to saudi things and people are quite nice but i think you know it's one thing you see one person taking photos um and how you react to to you know 100 people in the same spot trying to do the same thing so i mean i, I think and then if you know you're fishing in this area um fishing local fishing isn't is sort of popular but it's not as popular as it is in other places fishing is is absolutely a thing here um and and if you have people saying all right now is this area is protected no fish no fishing here um what does that do for you you know what about this area you know you're going to do this and this, and from a, a an environmental side of things, we're protecting it and we're saying this is going to help you. But how do you how do you deal with that when it's the short term? But they, you know, that is one of the conversations is like you your livelihood changes or your um, yeah, just it's different. And I think that that local scale is something. It's not just you know that large. Climate change thing because they're trying to mitigate climate change by protecting areas, and everyone's for that, right? Like, oh, we want to protect it, but then when it affects you personally, that's kind of hard. Yeah. And yeah, so, like, how cool. do how do we have those conversations where it's like, yes, we want to protect the planet. Uh, <laughs> I want to <laughs> protect my wallet. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are tough conversations.
0: They really are, and. Last season, we had uh, an on-location recording uh, at a local, um, well, the Natural Food Cooperative. So, so they are independently run; they're a crop cooperative, and they do things like, you know, organic stuff, and they have like the bulk stuff where you can refill bottles, refill everything. And this is the same. This is the thing that we're talking about. So, obviously, their their environmental impact is very, very low. But one of the questions I asked them was, um, you know. How, what argument, you know, what would you say to people who say that shops like this are not accessible to them because of, because of, it comes across as expensive? You know, you go in there and you buy a bag of lentils and those bag of lentils are like five or six pounds or, you know, six or seven dollars or something like that. And they can't, you know, they, they can't afford that. And then, and then the, the, the response was, well, yeah, it's, it's a problem because we're trying to convince people that if you buy that six or seven, uh you know pounds worth of you know so half a kilo or something worth of lentils they could actually make quite a few meals out of that you know and so it's better in the long term it actually saves their money in the long term but because we have this short-termism of you know also pl- you know playing on our survival instinct is that we just got to get through the next hour we just got to get through the next day and, and then and then it kind of really does kind of hamper out our attempts to kind of solve long-term problems and i guess that's the same sort of thing with the scale because you got the temporal scale as well, short-term, long-term, mm-hmm. and I guess that's parallel with the, the, the local scale. I need to protect my community, my area, my fishing grounds, and then kind of how that links in with the wider scale, the bigger scale probably sometimes goes by the by, but they do all connect together, so yeah. people are worried about that. Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out.
1: I, I do think that um, what you're talking about, like with buying the lentils or or whatever it is, is that, you know, being green and sustainable is absolutely a privilege, right? You know, after if you yes. are a person yes. who cannot afford, you know, you have five dollars to spend and you you know, what what are you gonna spend it on, you have to prioritize your own well-being and the well-being of your family over yes. these these other things. And um it's kind of a tough conversation on in that self too, is to say like, yes, I want to, to protect the environment and I want to be sustainable, but also, you know, it is, it is privileged to talk about that and to say that, you know, we should be buying these things or, or working through these things when some people are not able to, to make those kinds of choices. I don't know if you know the Sam Vimes boot theory. um, But I I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, it's from Terry Pratchett.
0: Okay. I'm a big fan of Terry Pratchett. So yeah, please, t- please tell us, please tell us.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, you're, you're British. Um, so <laughs> uh, Sam Vimes is a, a character, uh, is a police cop, beat cop. And uh, he's, he's talking about how he has these pair of shoes that he wears and they worn thin and he can tell like all the streets through his soles of his shoes because they're so thin. And, and he starts talking about how the cost of his shoes are are cheap but he has to go and buy them more frequently than uh um than someone who buys a a solid pair of boots and so um and he talks about how the poor stay poor because of this like type of boot situation where you have to buy cheap products over and over again, whereas someone who can spend just a little bit more can buy something like good and, and quality and can last longer. And even if it's just a small margin and I feel like that's kind of the same thing with the, uh, you know, this, the sustainable privilege is that, you know, some of us can, can buy that long-term quality thing um, and then some of us can't. And and yeah. when we're talking about sustainability and things like that, we do need to remember that, you know, there is privilege involved in, the, in those conversations.
0: That's that's fantastic. You That's really well put well. And I've just looked up the Sam Vines Boots Theory. So the Sam Vines Boots Theory of socioeconomic Economic Unfairness, often simply called the Boots Theory, is an economic theory first popularized by English fancy writer Terry Pratchett in his 1993 – so I have read Discworld, Discworld novel Men at Arms – so yeah and um you're absolutely spot on and this is something that um especially in the last say 10 or so years i've i've been undergoing and i've I've mentioned this a lot in the podcast i've undergone quite a few privilege checks and i've come to habituate those and take them very healthily so i like i like having my privilege check i think it's a way of staying real to the world um so whereas you know, at the moment, it's still seen as very toxic, but I think it's completely opposite if you embrace it. And um, so, what we try and do here is that—I mean, we're not—we're middle class. I mean, we, we come from a working class background, but we've—we have been lucky enough. That's one privilege. We've been socially mobile. um Not everybody can get out of middle class very easily. Uh, working class very easily. Um, and circumstances have allowed us to be able to have a mortgage on a house rather than rent it. Circumstances mean we've been able to save money for solar panels on a roof to get an electric car. And um, and then, but we don't stop there. We Every time we scrimp and save, we try and do stuff which which basically shrinks our carbon budget and just gives a little bit of a buffer for people who can't afford to shrink their carbon Mm -hmm. budget so people say okay why are you putting more solar panels on the roof when you've got enough to power your home it's like i want to be taking i want to be drawing less energy out of the grid you know i want to be making sure that i'm i'm negative carbon because there are people out there who cannot afford to put solar panels in their roof and when i'm producing surplus power i know that's going back into the grid and okay fine it goes into the mix but for every unit I'm exporting, there's somebody out there who hasn't got this stuff who's importing that unit of solar power. So I, that's one of the ways I've tried to pay my privilege forward. Um, yeah, for sure. And of course, we 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 volunteer a lot. We do a lot for charity, um, you know, and and stuff like that. And I, a lot of my educational stuff is is to kind of try and empower people who who have less privilege. Um, so and even being transgender, I know that because I'm white, you know, I have huge privilege over, say, for example you know trans people of color for example so um yeah and it's i just feel folks that you know we shouldn't really be shuddering at the word privilege and i think the, what you've just done there colleen with that example is a perfect example and this is one reason why i love terry pratchett well he's a trans ally for a start <laughs> um but um but yeah that i'm gonna have a look we've got it on the on the bookshelf so i'm gonna have a look at that so it's the men in arms novel uh and I'm going to look that up again because that is just a perfect analogy. Yeah, you could of course you could buy cheap shoes; they'll get you through, a f- you know, a few weeks or something. But then you have to keep buying those bloody shoes. So yeah, yeah, it's right. it's
1: it's an interesting topic, and I think that it it goes well with a lot of things. Like you know, as as geographers, we do explore the world and we do see like you know people in a lot of different circumstances and a lot of different ways the world works and i think one of the things that we see is you know we come from you know one part of the world and we go to another and the things that work in one part of the world don't always work in another yeah. just i mean because people are different and you know the land is different sometimes like you know something you do in forestry would probably not work here in saudi very well um just because we don't have forests the same way right so like right there's yeah. just a lot of different things that it, you know, checking the, those kinds of privileges and then also, you know, seeing the different people and, and seeing how we can be, you know, different and better because of that.
0: Yeah. And that is why local and indigenous knowledge is so, so important and we, why we shouldn't be ignoring it and why it needed, like in the last IPCC report, it they put it a little bit in there, but they need a whole working group of indigenous people i've said that so many times anyway i'm gonna get off my soapbox i've mentioned That's this before uh, so um yes yeah, so going back to to your uh, your studies then so what i know you've kind of briefly talked about roughly what you're doing at the moment so mm-hmm. what your thesis itself then so what is it exactly you're aiming to try and find out through your thesis
1: so i have four chapters um so i'll just kind of go briefly through the chapters uh sure. chapter one <laughs> Sorry, this is how PhD students always are talking. I, 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 I
0: asked, when I asked this, a PhD <laughs> student, it's just like, "We already got like a few minutes. Come on, seriously." <laughs> <laughs>
1: just give me the basically the title. So, um, we have some sargassum, which is a kind of algae that grows in huge um, patches out on the outside of the reef on the exposed side, and they are seasonal. And we are trying to see if we can map seasonal change in patterns through that um, and using some satellite imagery. Um, so it's something we've observed um, just by being here and looking at it and going out to the field, but it's not something that's been quantified yet. So I'm looking at five years worth of satellite imagery and quantifying it. Um, that's chapter one. That's <laughs> that's in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> chapter two is there are these really cool fish that live at the top of the reef Um, and they have these territories, which are algae as well. Um, and you can see a clear line of where their territory begins and territory ends, but Mm. it's really hard to measure, um, that territory in the water. Um, as you can imagine getting a tape measure in the water would just be really, really difficult. (laughs) Yes. Um, and so, um, I flew a drone over, um, some reefs and look to see if we could actually see... You know, the one question was, like, we can see it in the water where these territories are, but can we actually see it from the air? And we can, which is really cool. Um, and so I flew a drone over and did some mapping that way. Um, and then also now I'm looking at using some satellite for long-term knowledge of it to see if there's any changes seasonally in those territories. And then chapter three is um, where we're looking at uh, – there's a reef restoration group that has just started where they're coming and restoring coral reefs um, that are have either been damaged or um, just aren't thriving as well as they could be. And so one of the first things they're doing is putting out sensors, all kinds of sensors for like salinity, temperature, um, you know, wave action, that, those kinds of things. And they want to know – how many sensors they need to put out and how often the sensor should take measurements. Um, they're coral people, so they don't know. They're, they're like, we, we know we need these, inf- these measurements. Um, so, um, basically what I'm going to do is look at the, the sensors they have and the area they want to cover and, and then use some GIS to figure out how many sensors, um, they need and where they should go.
0: Okay, so um, and, I've just looked at your your uh-huh. Twitter feed then, and um, is so I've seen a map here by Natalia Delgado. Uh, uh-huh. Del is that the map of the sensor? The sensor No, sites no, that's
1: that's a that's a map I helped someone make oh, a while ago about uh, um, corals that have uh, biomes. Like uh, she works on uh, helping corals be healthy so she she does antibiotics and probiotics on corals oh, and so she was she was wanting to know how to make a map about that so that's that's the map that we made so okay cool not related but but sort of related still in the gotcha. water
0: All right so I, I see I see a map I'm like <gasps> I need to ask about that sorry so that was <laughs> okay. it um, and then finally so your fourth your fourth and final chapter not fourth last part. and final <laughs> chapter
1: is where should those corals be? So they're, they're actually growing corals in like a nursery and they want to put them in the place that's going to be the best for them to thrive. And so, um, so basically making a site suitability, um, of that area and, and finding out where these corals would do best. That Um, is, that is the nutshell version of, of the thesis. That's
0: four very (laughs) cool nutshells though. Um,
1: yeah, They're and very different things, but talking about scale and all of those things.
0: Yeah, well, and we can only really skim through with this particular podcast. But what I really do hope happens is that you know, as I say, well, before we recorded, you know, I said that you know we do have a lot of educators and, and high school teachers in particular listening to this, and what I, what we'll ask you at the end is like, how can people get in touch with you? Because like, one thing I really hope comes from this podcast is like people mm-hmm. say clean sounds like amazing person to speak to you know their students are studying something like that or they might have a student doing a piece of coursework or something on coral reefs or something like that and they would sure. be like you know get in touch so that's that's the reason so if you can only just give us nutshells like you just did i'm hoping someone yeah. in listening is going oh clean sounds like exactly like someone i can get in contact to. um you know yeah, i'm always so. happy
1: to hear from people
0: yeah, because, you know, we love to inspire the next generation and uh, who, you know, because it's like, who's going to pick up this work when I'm done with it, you know, kind of thing. Sure,
1: for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, that is so, so awesome. And, um, you know, I have uh, an ex-student who actually has been on the podcast, um, who I taught gcc geography so i guess the equivalent of the, your high school diploma in mm-hmm. in all things geography environmental science that kind of stuff and uh, she is doing marine biology now she's doing her phd oh. in marine biology so yeah nice. really good nice. hi caris so, yeah we meet up for coffee every monday at um at the university so that's pretty nice um right um we're going to do something a little bit of fun now ish we are gonna it's the first time this season i've done it it's jog on and it's quite it sounds complicated but really straightforward i'm going to give you five random topics i'm going to click a random topic generator and then if you want to talk about it for just 60 seconds you say jog on um if you don't you say take a hike (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay i know this is my terrible puns um but you you have to talk about three of them so you need to okay, okay. you know if you so if, if you say the
1: first two i'm stuck on the last got to,
0: yeah exactly that's the twist that's the okay, twist okay. right so there's fight right so here we go right okay the first topic is soulmates now of course you don't have to divulge any personal information at all but it could be do you have a soulmate what's your opinion on soulmates or you could just say nah take a hike i'm leaving that one
1: oh i think take a hike
0: okay Alright, so right, three out of four then. So you can skip one more, I guess.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And bearing in mind we are a family friendly podcast. The next topic that's okay. come up is curse words.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, jog on.
0: Yeah, so without saying any curse words.
1: <laughs> um so I am of an opinion that words are just words. You know, <laughs> they don't necessarily mean anything except for in context. Yes. So yeah, I think I think it's okay. Um, I also, I was, my brother was visiting and he, he heard some things with the F word on the radio, (laughs) like out here in a family friendly environment. And I was like, he's like, Oh, you know, why are they not bleeping that like they would in the US? And I said, those words don't mean anything to them.
0: it's, It's
1: not, it's not the same, same thing because it's not. You know, the English is not their native language, so it's, it doesn't that's mean true. as much. And you know, sometimes yeah. the if you think about it in your own context, it means something strong, but in someone else's, it doesn't. And words are just words because of that.
0: Well, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and also, I've th- was there. I mean, I don't know whether I, whether I'm doing like a complete. Uh, you feel for that as well, Kit, but I'm sure there's studies about like actually. Curse words actually n- help to numb pain or help to get through difficult situations. Yeah, should, I did hear so if, that. I did hear yeah, that. So if you like, if I step on a kid's leg, I'm just looking at my youngest like spinning around on the floor with the Legos all around the place and everything like that. So if I was to step on a Lego and go, <gasps> and like, apparently it's meant to help.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's
0: true. So I don't know. Uh, write in, folks, and tell me I'm talking nonsense. um Or, or, um, no, I'm not going to say it because I was, I was going to, I was going to say a curse word and then bleep it out just for comic value, but I just, I just no, I'm not that brave. Um, <laughs> so, okay, excellent. So we've got two to go out of three. So the next one is religious holidays. Religious holidays.
1: Uh, so there's two pretty good religious holidays here.
0: Hmm. Uh, the
1: end of Ramadan is mm-hmm. a, a week of. A holiday called Eid and then we have a second Eid uh, a week from then and I really enjoy it because I get the weeks off so this is like two bonus weeks uh randomly in the in the year for me uh they don't they don't uh they don't mean anything to me religiously or and I don't uh have too many religious holidays that I follow so it's probably it that's it sorry yeah. not anything no, exciting great. on that
0: so um, I mentioned Emily Butler a bit earlier in Qatar and she says that um, from her flat, she can hear the call to prayer. Yeah. Um, so do, are you even hearing distance of the call to, pr- of any call to prayer? Oh, call, to,
1: call to prayer is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I
0: guess that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you, you hear it everywhere. Uh, I thought it was going to be really annoying when, before I got here, I thought I was going to, was going to hate it. Uh, I actually kind of like it. Emily yeah, said like the same thing. Yeah, like a little song. It's in the background. Uh, it's not that big of a deal unless you're standing right next to the mosque and you're trying to walk and talk to somebody, and you're like, "I'll just talk to you in a minute after, <laughs> after yeah, it's over." But like
0: walking through the school corridors and the bell goes off right by your ear. I, yeah, yeah it's hate it when that happens.
1: That's the only thing that it really is like, cool. but actually, it's quite kind of nice. Someone's singing and it's—it's it's quite. It's quite
0: nice. Yeah, you're not. You say so, you're the second person in a who said actually, that's, I find it quite soothing sometimes. So, which is maybe quite the point. It's meant to be very spiritual. And uh, as I say, I'm not a very religious person, so I, I I can't access that that feeling like those folks can. um Right, two more to go, and you only have to choose one of them. So the oh, okay. fourth one, <laughs> the fourth one is it, it's just come up with vacations, taking a vacation.
1: That's uh... what it's come up with. Uh, I'm going to say take a hike just because okay. I want to hear what the last one is.
0: Okay. Well, you got to talk about this one then. <laughs> um, actually, it could quite lead into quite nicely into the thing I want to talk about last. Um, and that's popular music, pop music.
1: Ah, uh, uh, I am a fan of music. I'm a fan of all things music. Oh, cool. um, yeah, I love music. Um, I think that once you get like what you like, I think some music is harder to adjust to just like all music coming at you. But I think it's like foods or spices or anything else you get flavors yeah. you like. And yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite I, band I really, or pop group?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm like, whatever is nice at the time. I like Miley Cyrus's new song. That's out. That's on oh, yeah. TikTok everywhere. The flower song. Oh, I, I'm really enjoying point. that. I don't yeah, know I if she's like my, she's not my favorite, but I like it. <laughs>
0: nice cool well, right you
1: really have a favorite
0: oh fair enough yeah i mean I uh, yeah and when you do have a favorite you kind of it, you go through phases and you have a different favorite for another part of your life and yeah, yeah
1: exactly that
0: yeah awesome so we're gonna go straight in because we've ta- talked about music great segue into um spilling the beans yes another pun of uh i was terrible when i was a teacher with all these puns the kids would just be like, groaning oh no not that again it's like quintessential. Um, right. So it says here, Colleen, that you like to dance. I do so like to dance. Tell, tell us a little, spill the beans then, Colleen. So what kind of dance do you like? Are you just, just dancing in general? You just like to get your groove on whenever you hear some beat or or is there any uh, kind of genre?
1: I like, like I said, I like all all kinds of music. I like to like dance salsa or like ballroom dancing. Um I did notice um well, one of my friends noticed that if I'm listening to music I can't help but walk to the beat. Awesome. Um they're like are you dancing and I was like no I'm just walking and they're like you're <laughs> like right on beat and I was like oh just had no idea. <laughs> so i I think I'm just always got something going on oh, whether thanks. I whether I think I I do or not.
0: Yeah it's doesn't your yeah? so your your gait will change that happens to me my gait changes when I'm listening to like certain kinds of music um, and then apparently your heartbeat may change to meet the I'm, rhythm of the I'm music. I've sure never heard just, of that before.
1: If my walk but, is going, then my heartbeat's probably going to.
0: Yeah. So but that's pretty cool. Um, Cause then I definitely feel the rhythm. I'm, I used to be the kind of person who used to love feeling, the, the vibration of like music of sound like actually going through my body and I yeah, used to yeah, love yeah. going that's the only reason why I used to love like going clubbing was I I, I hated oh you know everything about clubbing except that feeling of that vibration like, that that music. Of like the,
1: yeah the going through your body and yeah, yeah.
0: Well, like becoming
1: my, one with the music for a minute
0: yeah so I do tend yeah. to listen to my music a bit too loud in the car sometimes oh, same thing <laughs> the kids the kids are like tone it down i was like what well, it's not that loud no it really is loud <laughs> oh no wonder why i've got ten of this right well come to the to the end now it's been an absolute fabulous chat and it's great being getting to know you um so we have got one last thing to do then we are all geographers and that is when we link our guests to each other Um, and I had an absolute delightful chat last week with um, some school students who are members of the UK School Sustainability Network Um, and folks I'm not going to give too much away because I want you to listen to the episodes but go and have a listen back but basically this is a a student-led group of people all around the UK and they get to um, you know take action and educate others about climate change. And they actually had a presence at COP26, which was great. They were the youth voice, the representative youth voice at COP26, which was absolutely amazing. And that's one reason why we managed to get a little bit of progress in the education sector in the United Kingdom in terms of um, climate change. So they um, were given the word sublime by professor jenny Barclay, the volcanologist and then they had a good go at that but they've given you the word because this is a word that's very true to, uh, you know dear to their heart uh colleen they've given you the word hope oh. so the word hope so what you've got to do is for is talk about the word hope for 30 seconds and you know ideally from a geographical slant but if anything where the word takes you is absolutely fine and you have 30 seconds to wax lyrical about the word hope. So when you're ready, Colleen, after you've had a bit of a, a bit of a think, you can let me know, and I'll start my timer for thirty seconds.
1: Okay, I think that's that's a tr- tricky one, right? Mm. Um, but I think we go back to like climate change there, and also just people in general. I think you know, hope is a nice word, and you know, I think we see a lot of garbage on the on you know the news and stuff and like whatever and it doesn't seem nice but I think there is hope out there you know you have those kids that you said they're doing these groups and things like that and you know people doing you know these kinds of things and talking and science and whatever I think there is hope
0: yeah perfectly timeless is that that right on my 30 seconds yeah it's one and yeah and I I would say that work the work that you you know that you're doing and and speaking to you know speaking to you not just through you as a phd uh, student but also just your world view that brings me hope as well you know that we've got oh. i more like what you said you said like i'm here in saudi arabia and you know it's not this stereotype places you know and the fact that we're just getting more and more people like getting to learn that with this global community and that brings me hope and for sure that's what it is right so for next week's guests can you think of a word that you would like for them to tackle for 30 seconds
1: hmm how about just coral reef
0: yeah coral coral reef yeah we can have um we can have uh, well, like some, a well, one one of my, well, one of my first guests, um, she chose just because she wanted to be a pain in the backside. She chose Battle of Hastings. I was like Oh, thanks,
1: Catherine. That seems, a, that seems a little
0: rough, but it's okay because us geographers, <laughs> apparently, we can link anything. So it was the next guest nailed it so it was all fine but but um oh, okay. yeah she said why why not i choose something that's history late because we all know the rivalry between geography and history so i'm gonna go for battle and haces like oh thanks <laughs> but it's all part of the fun okay so we're going for coral reefs a brilliant so we'll find out what the next guest thinks about those and their opinion on that um colleen so to finish off any um shout outs you would like to give to anybody uh,
1: i don't know i guess just to to everybody. Hello to the world, right? Hello, everybody!
0: Brilliant. And where can people find you? So you have a Twitter account?
1: Yeah, I do have a Twitter account, and I'm terrible at remembering what my my handle is. So, if you, you said you saw it, so go ahead and
0: yep. So throw it's it out there. M- maps c. So M A P S, and then C S E E. So maps c. That's what your Twitter handle is so now you remember now you can log on again.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean I log in I just I never remember what it's what it is to give people. Yeah. And uh, uh Instagram is also a good place to get me. Yep, we uh, find is you there. @ccmaps which is s e e s e a maps. Ah,
0: CC maps, right. I need to follow yeah. you on Instagram as well. Fantastic. Um well, Colleen, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much for taking the time to to, uh, to join us on the, on the podcast and uh, please keep up the amazing work and I really hope that uh, you know, um, folks listening you'll get a few, you know, maybe teachers or students contact you and say, hey, you, you sound amazing, you know, let's, let's listen to what you're doing so. <laughs> Thank you so much Kaleen. Thanks Thank you so much for listening We hope you had fun if you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favourite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at coffeegeogpod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffee and jog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.